Father, we just pray for your word now, um, that it will speak to us. Um, <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word was written, uh, not just to the, the churches, Lord, of, of the day, but it was written um, with express purpose to, to, to speak to us as well. So give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. <clears throat> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, or the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he is in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Just one more passage in chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Amen. Amen. So, um, probably one of the, if not the uh, most
prolific uses of the word love in the Bible is in, in um, the epistle, uh, the first epistle of John, and especially in that um, passage that we read in, in 1 John uh, chapter 4. The epistle, we don't know exactly who it was written to, but most people think that it was written by John to uh, the church, primarily to the church in Ephesus, or initially to the church in Ephesus. Um, because historians say that Paul, who would have essentially set up the church in Ephesus and who would have written the, the, the letter, the epistle of the Ephesians to, to Ephesus, well, primarily to Ephesus, there's even debate about that, whether it was kind of a circular letter that was addressed to Ephesus. But the, the, the point is that Paul and Peter, after Paul and Peter had um, been uh, killed, um, that John came to Ephesus and he kind of took ownership of the church in Ephesus. And many people believe that this, this epistle was written around 90 AD, which is about 25 years after uh, uh, the death of Paul and, and Peter. So first instance is probably written to the Ephesians, but obviously it has application uh, to, us, to us all. And I suppose the first thing is it deals with love. Now, love, we know, is a, you know can be a very uh, touchy-feely, whooshy, fluffy kind of thing, you know. But <laughs> what I love about this passage, from a male perspective, <laughs> no, what I do love about this passage is that it is very practical. It's very practical. And dare I say it even, it's very logical. It's a very logical passage. Um, and it's a very clear um, exposition, if you like, of what love is in practical terms. And it starts, or the, sorry, the, the central aspect of it is that God is love. The source of love is God. The very source of love is God. God is love. And, you know, there's many adjectives to, to describe God. He's merciful, he's holy, he's righteous, he's just. But very rarely is God described in a, in a noun. God is love. It's amazing to think about that, that the God that we serve, he is love. And we, I think we often, sometimes we can, we can obviously overemphasize that, but I think we probably under, understand it, if you know what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. We don't fully grasp. We don't fully grasp what that means. And Paul, writing to the Ephesians 25 years ago, 20, not 25 years ago, 25 years before, odd years before uh, John wrote to the Ephesians, or wrote this epistle, which people think was to the Ephesians, he says, I pray that you, being rooted in Ephesians chapter 3, you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
So you can see there the connection between God and love. And you can also see the impossibility of us understanding that concept. God is love. The depth of, of God's love, the height, the width, understanding that with our own knowledge. It is impossible, absolutely impossible to understand it from a purely intellectual, um, a, an intellectual way of, of trying to understand love. We cannot do that. And that's why Paul prays to the Ephesians that he, being rooted and established in the basics of God's love, that he died for us, that we'll be fully able to understand the mind-blowing nature of God's love. So God is love. Let's just think about that for a minute. God is love. It can seem very abstract in one sense. God is love. It's, it's impossible almost to understand it. And that's that's true. In, in one sense, it is impossible on an intellectual level to understand it. But God does help us by demonstrating his love. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In verse 9 it says, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us. So something that was invisible, if you like, was manifested towards us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So if we want to understand God's love, we need to look at Jesus. We need to look at the cross. That's the first place where we can start to understand and fully grasp uh, the love of God. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent us to be the propitiation or the payment for our sins. And the statement God is love, there is there are many, uh, or it's at least four different versions of love uh, mentioned in the Bible, and the Greek, are, and there's four different Greek words for love in the Bible. Um, but the one that is most associated with God and is used here is agape love, which essentially means self-sacrificial love or unconditional love. So God is love, but he's not just any kind of love. He's unconditional or self-sacrificial love. And we see that demonstrated in Jesus. Unconditional, self-sacrificial love. If we want to understand who God is, we need to understand that concept of unconditional love. If we want to understand what love is, we need to understand what God has done for us. 
So that's, that's the foundation. That's the foundation of, of um, loving others. It's God's love. Okay? It starts, the source of love starts with God. It doesn't start with ourselves. God first loved us. Not that we love God. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son. So that's the, the first, that's the source, the foundation of what love is. And we see in Valentine's, you know, the Valentine's weekend, you, you go in, the gift, you know, the gift shops, and there's loads and loads of cards and whatever, souvenirs. And there's a whole industry, isn't there, around it. But the reality is you can't manufacture love real love pure love you cannot manufacture it you can't say okay i'm going to love i'm going to love more now i'm going to try my best to love more you can't it starts with god he is the source of love and unless we know god and his love we cannot love others but if we say that we love god and we do not love others john says um we, we're lying Okay, so if we say, yeah, oh, I love God, I really love God, but we don't love others, that is not true. And this is what he says in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We also ought to one, love one another. So to know that we love God, if we know that we love God, it is, there is a practical not just outworking of it, but a practical evidence that we love God is that we love one another. And, and uh, John gives a very, very specific example in chapter 3. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us in verse 16. John, and it's 1 John 3.16, not, not uh, John 3.16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and we, do, we shall assure our hearts before him. So God is quite specific in the evidence is that we will love one another. Not, and again, not in a sort of wishy-washy, touchy-feely love. You know, we, are greeted to, we are commanded to greet one another with a brotherly kiss <laughs> or whatever the modern variation of that is. But if we see our brother in need, if we see a brother in need and we don't go and help them, we can't say that we have the love of God in us. Do we find it easy to love one another? I, I think in this, I think in this uh, body here, you know, I've, I've really seen the body grow, grow in love, and we've been recipients so many times of, of you know, God's love 
uh, from our brothers and sisters. We've been so blessed. But it doesn't mean we're, we're, we're perfect or we can't um, go on to greater heights because God always wants to bring us up to the, to the, to the next level. But it's easy, it's easy enough probably to, to love the, you know, your, um, your nearest and dearest. Uh, but brothers, we have brothers and sisters throughout the world, many of who are in, whom are in need in different shapes and forms, um, whether it's persecution or poverty. Do, do we see their need and do we love them? hard isn't it sometimes it's hard to to have that capacity um to to love others i think we do often you know kind of try to put them out of our minds a bit because you know it, it requires effort it requires self-sacrifice and we live in the world and this is the passage that i, that I wanted to, to focus on for a few minutes in first john chapter 2 verse 15 do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Amen. So essentially, there are two loves competing for our attention, so to speak. The love of God and the love of the world. And our heart can't accommodate both of them. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But the reality, the reality is the love of the world is more enticing in many ways, more attractive in many ways, certainly more immediate. In, in, there's no doubt it's more immediate. Um, and it's all around us. So there's a, there's, a, there's a bit of a dilemma. And when we think, when we think of the love of God, it's, we know it's self-sacrificial. The very nature of divine love is that it's, it's kind of, um, it, it involves recipro reciprocity, is that the word? It involves, you know, more than one. God, the, the Bible says God is one, but he's in a relationship, a triune relationship. And is similar with God's love. It's, it involves more than one. The love of the world is quite different, isn't it? It just involves me. <laughs> There's no, you know, you can love uh, material things. They won't love you back. Right? Um, the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. It's all coming from you. And it's returning to you, um, and there's no there's no kind of intermediary. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just you. But that's 
That's how we were, that's how we were born. That's how we were made. We go right back to, to Adam and Eve. Um, the pride of life. That's, so we, we have our sinful nature. We're in a world that is seeking to feed a sinful nature. And yet God is calling us to love our brothers and our sisters. To love those in need. So it's a bit of a dilemma really, isn't it? Now we do know that God has uh, reborn us to a new, by a new spirit. But we still have that struggle. We still have that struggle that the, uh, the, the, the attractions of the world are they're very strong and arguably stronger now than ever before because um, there's so many things you can get now almost on demand compared to years ago. Now you have a, a, you know, a plethora of things that you can get uh, just, just with, a, with a click of the, of the mouse. And Jesus says, he says, I don't pray that you take them out of this world. He didn't, Jesus doesn't want us to leave the world. He wants us to overcome. He wants us to overcome the world. The church of Ephesus was based in, obviously in Ephesus, and Ephesus was a very important city in, in the um, the ancient world it was in Asia Minor and it was um, it was basically on a, on a very major trading route for um, the whole Asia Asia region and there was a population of I think it was about 300,000 people it in those days would have been very very large they had a world I think what they said was the first world bank there so it was a, a city uh, strategically important but also um, a lot of wealth, a lot of money in, 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 in Ephesus. So you can imagine that the pull of the world was very strong in Ephesus. And what's, what's sad is, is to see <clears throat> a few years after this, this epistle was written, and about 25, 30 years after Paul had written to Ephesus, praying that the people would grasp how high and wide and deep and long was the love of God. Um, that the, uh, the revelation that was given to John by Jesus included a reference to the church of Ephesus. This was only a few years later. Uh, revelation chapter 2 verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things say, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience and labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. So far, so good. This seems to be a church that doesn't tolerate false doctrine. It's a vigilant church. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly 
and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So their love had actually grown cold. Now the, the scripture does not tell us why it grew cold, but it, it did grow cold. Um, but we see in, in John's letter that there was definitely an issue about the world. An issue about the world, about the loving the world and loving God. So there was a struggle going on. And the struggle um, is one that I think we still face today. And you may think at the moment, you know what, the world has nothing on me. I, you know, I just, I'm just so in love with God. You need, we need to be vigilant. We, we, we talked about that word being vigilant, diligent, but we need to be diligent and vigilant um, that our love for God is not s- supplanted, supplanted and replaced by a love for the world. How can we keep that love for God? As I said, God is a source of love. We can't generate it. We can't say, okay, I'm going to love my brother and sister more now. I was talking to Tony before uh, church this morning, and he was talking about, you know, how hard it is. We want to give time, and it's hard to give time to others. And sometimes loving others is not about, you know, giving them money. It could be about giving them time. But what Tony said was very good. He said, I'm, I'm trying to keep a specific amount of time just for God. Just for God. And if God is a source of love, we love not, we did not love first. God loved us first. If God is a source of love, we need to go to the source of love if we are going to be able to love others. If we're going to fulfill that commandment um, to love our brothers, if we're not going to be loving the world, we need to go to God in the first instance and spend that time with him. God is love. If we spend time with God, then, and only then, do we have the love um, to, to, to give to others. And when we have that love, the scripture says, perfect love casts out all fear. And in here, in, in this context, John is talking about the fear, essentially, of judgment. Jesus was saying, uh, <clears throat> The, the parable of, of the, the sheep and the goats and, and they separated the sheep, sheep from the goats and, and uh, the guys who taught they'd done everything said, you know, I, we, I, I taught, you know, I cast out demons, you know. Uh, and Jesus said, you didn't. You didn't look after the least of these. And vice versa with the sheep. He said, Lord, when did, I, when, did I, when did I feed you? When you fed the least of these, you fed me. And so, Loving the Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul is followed by love your neighbor as yourself. But in reality, the two are inextricably linked. If you love God, if you love God, you will love your brother and sister. And it's a practical, it's a very practical uh, working. 
If you love the world, you can't do that. You can't do, you can't love your brother and sister if you love the world. So, I pray that, Lord, you'd give us a love for you, Lord, not a love for the world. Father, I know it's, um, the world is so enticing. And Lord, I pray you'll help us come back to our first love, which is you, Lord, the source of love. In Jesus' name.